0: I love that new song. He's the God who stays. He doesn't leave us. We understand that in Scripture. He doesn't abandon us, but He's the God that stays, stays close to us, regardless of the circumstances that may invade our lives. He's the God who stays. And in light of that truth, and in light of our Easter celebrations, And April's practice of the month, which is gratitude, we thought we'd spend a couple of weeks as we are post-Easter actually just being a people of gratitude, understanding the value of that, the importance of expressing that, articulating that, living it, speaking about it to other people. And so over these next couple of weeks, we're going to be just talking about gratitude the importance of it, the value of it, how to express it, when to go ahead and express it. And so I'm going to be preaching this week, and then Jacob's going to preach next week. It's just a two-week series, and then Glenda's got a wonderful sermon ready for Mother's Day this year. You and I, we have so much, so much. If I could underscore that and highlight that, we have so much. Be grateful for. A Chinese church leader and Christian teacher in the early 1900s by the name of Watchman Ni, nee, N E E, said this. Think about all that we've just come off of in terms of Easter. Outside of Christ, I'm only a sinner. But in Christ, I'm saved. Outside of Christ, I'm empty. In Christ, I'm full. Outside of Christ, I'm weak. In Christ, I am strong. Outside of Christ, I cannot. In Christ, I am more than able. Outside of Christ, I have been defeated. In Christ, I am already victorious. Just just allow some of those thoughts to just really play around in your heart and your mind here this morning. Just allow that to process what that actually means for us. The victory that's ours. The strength that's ours. The, our identity who's his through in him that's ours. He concludes by saying, how meaningful are these words in Christ? And we've alluded to this a couple of times. Jacob actually spoke about it in the in the apprenticeship series back in January, the value of being in Christ and what our experience is as followers of Jesus Christ. Gratitude or having a grateful heart within the Christian community is this act of, of expressing value and appreciation to God for the blessings that He's actually given to us. Whether those are material or, or physical in nature or spiritual. And as we grow as believers, as we grow as disciples, as we grow as apprentices of Jesus, we should see this attitude and this response develop in our lives. It actually should begin to grow as we mature. Our relationship with Jesus Christ should transform us into this joyful, positive, grateful soul. Friends, one of the signs that Jesus Christ is truly living in our hearts is gratitude. Somebody once said this, that God lives in two places. He lives in heaven and in the humble heart. He lives in heaven and in the humble heart. So as believers, we need to make a concerted effort every single day to appreciate all the blessings that God has given to us day and night. We need to be praising Him. We need to be thanking Him for all that He's given to us. The Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 4.2, continue praying, keep alert, always thanking God. Always thanking God. Scripture speaks to this kind of response very frequently in Scripture. In Philippians chapter 4, we see that we are to do everything with prayer and thanksgiving. Psalm 116, we read that we are to make our lives a thanksgiving offering before the Lord. The book of Hebrew tells us that our lives will be filled with a spirit of gratitude towards all that God has done. But here's the sad truth. We can struggle in embracing the attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving on a daily basis when things seem to go awry. Most of us, I don't believe, are necessarily fully grateful people. When it comes to having a spirit of thanksgiving, I think we fall short. We're much better at grumbling or complaining or finding what hasn't happened than celebrating that which has happened. And to set the direction for today's teaching, I want us to read. I'm not going to dig deep into this passage, but I want us to understand something of our natural human response to why we might be lacking gratitude and it's an interesting, interesting story found in the, the Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Let's stand, and let's just look at this passage together. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Please be seated. Jesus' emotional response to the ingratitude of the nine leopards, who equally received some kind of cleansing or healing, gives us a glimpse into the heart of God and how he values people that are grateful. Jesus was disappointed that only one person cared enough after they had received the blessing of healing and restoration of this disease, leprosy that only one came back and he could express gratitude. William Barclay writes, and many of you might know some of him, and he's a great commentary writer, a theologian. He says this, No story in the gospel so poignantly shows man's ingratitude like the lepers in Luke 17. Unfortunately, we can often respond in a similar way, and we may not even realize it. The lepers came with, to Jesus with desperate longing. He healed, he cleansed them, and only nine came back to give thanks. Barclay says, so often once a man has got what he wants, he never comes back. And I think in our reality, in our world today, once we get what we want, we only want more. Would you agree with that? There is that tendency, that desire, that appetite that's never filled because of what we received as a blessing. We just want more blessing. We take God's goodness, this good, good Father, for granted. We receive great blessings, yet we don't give enough gratitude to God on a regular basis. But rather, we set our sights on maybe what we don't have or the blessings that we want to have. Psalm 103 verses 1 to 5 reads this. I love this passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite because it really reorients me. It it realigns me to remember what I need to be grateful for. Praise the Lord my soul. And I love the description here. All my inmost being. For me, that represents every fiber of who I am as a person, my body, my mind, and my soul, my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. And here it says, and forget not all his benefits. And he, he begins to list them then. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Powerful verses, aren't they? Outlining them as benefits, as us as followers of the great Yahweh, as followers of Jesus Christ, for all that he did for us on the cross that we celebrated last week. We continue to remember those blessings, all those wonderful benefits. But in so many cases... I dare say, we we seem to forget the good news. We can forget the grace. We can forget the mercy. We can forget God's protection. We can forget his care so very easily and all the blessings of God. And we never return to express gratitude. Why is that? Have you ever thought about, why is it that we're just never satisfied as a people? Why, Why are we an ungrateful people I think there's a few reasons. I think number one is because of affluence. And you've heard it before, compared to so many other countries and lands around our world, we we are a rich people. In Canada, we are one of the wealthiest nations in the world. And we seem to take that for granted, so much to the point where we just want more. Jacob and I were talking this week a little bit about this and, and understanding that it's not until we go to a, a third world country that has very little, or maybe on a mission trip, that we begin to realize how very rich we are here in Canada. Each of us, compared to the rest of the world, are truly rich beyond our dreams. We travel by airplane, we drive nice cars, we live in air conditioned homes. Have phones, have tablets, multiple TVs, computers, and on and on. We eat in nice restaurants, we worship in comfortable buildings. Over this past Easter weekend, we ate meals that people in most part of the world would probably dream of eating. Each one of us live in incredible ease and luxury compared to so many parts of our world. But yet we want more. So there's a, a story told of, of two old friends who, who met on the street. One of them looked sad, almost on the verge of tears. His friend asked, What, what in the world's happened to you? What's, what's happened? And the sad fellow said, Well, three weeks ago, an uncle died and left me $40,000. That's a lot of money. Yes, but two weeks ago, a cousin I never knew died and left me $85,000. Free and clear. Sounds like you've been blessed. You don't understand, he interrupted. Last week, my great aunt passed away. I inherited a quarter of a million dollars. Now, the consoling friend said he was really confused. Then why do you look so sad? Because this week, I got nothing. Just that appetite of wanting more and more and more. And more is never enough. Now, we may think that those types of inheritances dropping into our lap just don't happen. But we have an affluence that adds up to some significant value as people. And you would think that all these blessings would bring us joy or bring us gratitude. But often all this affluence does is just make us want more and more. And it makes us more and more discontented and ungrateful because often the byproduct of having so much is the desire to want more. Take a look at your own life. Perhaps you know, 20 years ago you thought, well, if I could just get this, I'd be happy. You had it probably 15 years ago, and you're still not happy. If I could just move in this direction, I'd be happy. Well, it came your way, but you're still not happy. And there's this appetite and this desire just to want more and more and more. And it's very hard to be grateful when we cannot learn to be content and happy with what we already have. So affluence plays, I think, a big part in us being an ungrateful people. The other is it's because of Pride. We're prideful because we think we have earned all the things we have received. We say to ourselves, I've worked hard to get that job and get that house. I've earned that award. I read of a bumper sticker that said, I couldn't have done it without me. Talk about pride. And in our pride, we we just don't even think to thank God. We give ourselves pats on the back of what we've accomplished and forget what God has done to bless us. Psalm 10, verse 4 says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. That's what pride inches God out. It squeezes him out of relationship with you. And in our pride, we forget that it's God who gives us the good gifts from above. Affluence, pride, pride. Sometimes we are ungrateful because of the ungrateful people because of the people we might hang with. When we hang around ungrateful people, negative people, we too then turn grumpy and we become sour ourselves. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15:33, bad company corrupts good character. We can become easily influenced by those that we hang around. And the time we spend with negative, ungrateful people will influence us. Whether or not we like it or not, it just seems to rub off on us. And we play that kind of comparison game. Why do they have this? Why have they achieved this? Why, why, why can't I have that? And it begins to rub off. Actually, somebody said that ingratitude and grumbling are addictive behaviors. Addictive behaviors. Some have picked up the habit of complaining. and It's now part of their nature, and they don't even realize it because they do it so regularly now. The fourth area. I'm sure there's more, but these are the ones that just stood out in my mind. Affluence, pride, those that we hang around with. How about the circumstances of life that come our way? Simply just those realities of life. Because as we've said so very often, life can be tough. There are those things that because we live in a broken world and live on a broken planet, that stuff just comes our way. And it can sometimes be hard to rejoice and be thankful when the bills are piling up, the business is considering a layoff, or you're struggling in your relationships. And ingratitude can set in simply because of the bad circumstances that seem to just invade our lives. Remember when Moses was charged with the responsibility of, of redeeming the people of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. And he took the Israelites into the desert, and they became entrapped by the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army was in heavy pursuit of them. The people started to complain. It tells us in Exodus fourteen eleven, They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? The Israel's first reaction to their tough circumstances wasn't to be grateful that God was rescuing them, but rather of their immediate circumstances was causing them to grumble and complain. Maybe today it's, it's, it's hard for you to be grateful because you might feel trapped in the situations that life have just brought your way. You don't know understand how God may use it, how God can use the situation to refine you, how he is preparing you. Maybe the psalmist needs to remind us again, don't forget all the benefits. When you're going through a tough season, a rough spot, don't forget all the benefits that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. Pride, affluence, people, circumstances, They can cause us to be ungrateful. But what do we need to do to develop this, this attitude where we're thankful and grateful people? What are some habits? What are some practical steps? That's what I want to really conclude with this morning. I'm going to be very brief. First thing is this. Remember how much gratitude pleases God. It's important to actually take a look at scripture that gratitude makes God happy. Giving praise to God makes him happy. When we give praise to God, he shows up. When we point all of our blessings to God, he shows up. When we give testimony to what God has done in our lives, he shows up. Look at what it says in, in 2 Chronicles five thirteen and 14. The singers raised their voice in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Praise him for that. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple. God's presence. Came to the temple in response to this incredible gratitude, these songs of praise, this worship expression that was coming. And God loves to hear the praises of his people in the temple. There seems to be this connection between gratitude and praise, of joy, of of, of worship to God, and where the manifestation of God's presence begins to show up because of the praises of his people. That's why it's so important for us as a body of believers to continue to Don't give up meeting together. Remember how much gratitude pleases God. Secondly, avoid complaining at all costs. If it becomes our default, it will begin to take you over. But rather, think on those good things. Complaining and grumbling sometimes are the biggest barriers to gratitude. We we need to learn to catch ourselves When we have that tendency, and we all do, I I do, I can see the glass half empty very easily, and I can begin to complain about it. Just talk to my wife. She's the one that hears it. Numbers 11.1 says, the Israelites complained about their hardships, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. His anger was aroused. God's anger. See, when we begin to complain, it dis- disturbs the heart of God. Because God has provided us so much. He gives us this day our daily bread. He gives us homes. He gives us shelter. He gives us security as he's preparing the future for us, he provides protection and care. It disturbs him and it actually interrupts our spiritual development, our spiritual formation. When we display an attitude of ingratitude and complaining, it stunts our growth. And actually, friends, it just makes life suck when we lean in that direction of complaining all the time. Somebody once said, I really believe the most important step in developing inner peace is to quit complaining and start praising. So if you want to substitute complaining with something, provide praise to God. Put on some worship music. Listen to a podcast. Offer praise to God. When you ever have that tendency where you just want to complain about something... Think about what he's done. Don't forget all its benefits and offer it back to him. Paul wrote in Philippians two fourteen and 15, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then listen to what it says. See, so much of scripture requires us to do something. Did you pick them up? Huh? You do everything without grumbling or arguing, do everything to remain blameless and pure, children of God, then, then you will shine among the stars in the sky. We have a responsibility to understand what our our roles are and how we respond. And then we will shine. Then we'll be the kind of testimony that others will want to follow. Finally, make a personal choice to rejoice. It's gratitude or ingratitude. It's a personal choice that we have. And it may be difficult to be grateful at certain times. We need to make a personal decision that we're going to be grateful people even when we don't feel like it or when it's hard. The apostle Paul wrote these words from prison. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Think of yourself, put yourself in, in, in his shoes, in his situation, as he was being obedient to God. Here he found himself being persecuted as in prison. But yet he's saying to his writers as he wrote this incredible, incredible words from Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. See, Paul knew what it was to make a personal choice to rejoice. He decided that even though he was in the state that he was in, didn't know what his future was going to have to hold, although he knew whose hands his future was held in. He didn't know whether how much more persecution he was going to experience, but he was willing to praise and thank God anyway. And as a result, what it did for Paul, it transformed. And this is what it will do for us. It will transform, as it did Paul, your perspective of life and your service in life. It will transform your goals, your objectives, your purpose for living. Gratitude is a choice. It's a conscious decision that we are to be grateful despite the circumstances. And we hear and we know about this. We often reference it on Thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Why is it God's will? It's God's desire because he knows what it will do to you. How it will move you, how it will prepare you, how it will shape you and make you to be what he needs to be as those that shine like the stars in the sky. I leave you with this thought. To daily develop the daily discipline of gratitude. This is a challenge I want to provide you. We need to start giving God thanks every day. The moment that you wake up, have your coffee, get awake, throw some water in your face. But can I challenge you to just give God a few moments of what you're grateful for today. Discipline yourself to find something each and every day to be thankful for. Whatever it might be. You know, in the book of Daniel, which we did a study last last year, year and a half ago, he got down on his knees three times a day to give thanks to God, to pray to God. Sometimes, you know, for you and I, we're just thankful that we have the opportunity maybe once a day to do that. Maybe morning, noon, and night, take the opportunity and tell God what you're thankful for. No matter how your small blessing that you have, you learn to search out the positive in the midst of the negative and give thanks for what you do have. Search for it, look for it, there's always something. The old hymn says count your blessings, name them, one by one what so needs to happen. Let's begin, a, begin to be a people that begin to name them, to begin to identify them, to begin to understand them one by one. God, thank you for this. Thank you for this. I'm grateful for this. Name them. Declare them, and you'll be surprised on what it will do for you as a people. Song in which Kim's playing, and I'll invite Cam and Philly to come on up. Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word because when you speak and when you move, when you do what only you can do, here it is it changes us, it changes what we see, it changes what we seek. I'm going to say it changes who we are. It changes what we value in life as we continue to live in Christ. Let's celebrate, friends. As we continue to make our way beyond this pandemic, let us be a people of so much gratitude that it oozes out of our our pores, that it flows out of our hearts, it's spoken out of our mouths in a manner, and a way that gives praise to God. Then we can see how God's going to show up, I believe, in such a beautiful way. Let's not be an ungrateful people, but let us be grateful. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity today. Till just just start this two-week series about some of the practicalities of gratitude. And I just pray for each one that's here, Lord, that these maybe simple lessons, these simple thoughts will just renew within them the value of the kind of heart that they need to have. That as we reflect upon Easter, we reflect upon the journey to the cross, we reflect upon the incredible, amazing love that was given to us. Oh, Lord, may it fill our tank to overflowing with gratitude. And so this morning, as we sing this song, we pray that your spirit would continue to renew those truths in our hearts and our minds, such that you are honored and glorified in all that we say and do. For we pray that in the name of Christ. Amen.